Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. Although today we don't have any polls, we have Abby Livingston, who is the D.C. bureau chief for the Texas Tribune. We're here with Richard. We're all Longhorns, by the way. The studio is 100% Longhorns just to— Hook them horns. Just, you know, it's just a coincidence. that I would like to send a little Go Gators from here on remote. Good state <laughs> Sorry, schools. we only have room for Longhorns today in the studio. Um, and so she wrote a story in the Politica magazine that was really had my network all abuzz all weekend. So, Abby, thank you for coming. Tell us about your story. Thank you for having me. Uh I I had no idea any of this existed until about July. And basically, it was a look at how many women who are in political consulting, so that's people like you guys who do polling, direct mail, television advertising, and digital, feel like that these are the tracks where you make a lot of money in politics, and that's where the power structure is in in the political campaigns, and they feel like it is excluded from it, that it's very male-dominated and very difficult to break into. Now, I will say my two favorite contrarians of who I spoke to with I think I ended up about 60 people. You all were the the forcefully pushed back against some of the angles of the story, which I sort of loved, and it just made it very textured. And so um, I I was very surprised in how it was received. I knew a few people cared. I just didn't know how many people cared. And women who aren't in politics saw elements of their own career and feeling like they were excluded or talked down to. And so um, I leaned heavily on anecdotes. I wanted to show, not tell. And it seemed to... uh, get into the ether on Friday. So what was the reason? Like, how did this come to be? Did someone approach you? Did you have an idea? Like, what? How did it happen? I want to be careful because I don't want to violate any confidences. But I will say it sort of just came up in an offhanded way in a conversation Mm. with a very prominent uh, female in politics who I was just sort of flattered gave me her time. Mm -hmm. And then she sort of made it an offhand comment that I don't want to go much further. But it sort of shocked me to hear her feel that way because she's someone who's really well known. And so then I just started bouncing it off every time I encountered a female in politics. I'd be like, is this a thing? And more times than not, it was a physical reaction that I'd never seen. And these are all like Lauren Bacall women who are calm and cool and collected. (laughs) And this anger came out. And I just I was sort of taken aback. And the more I started going into it, at first I was focused on democratic hypocrisy, that you might have these men who claim to be pro-woman feminist and they maybe don't always behave that way in their professional life. And then I was going to do an aside of Republicans. And my Republican sources are like, you can't do this. You have to put us in the story, too. And so that's sort of how it came to be. Yeah, I I was very glad that you reached out. Um, And in part because the story you wrote does not surprise me a great deal. I mean, these were the sorts of things that were You'd overhear in conversations over a glass of wine or two. I mean, women who are very powerful, who have had things said to them by men who are very powerful. And 
I mean, you you can just look. If, frankly, I I will name names. I mean, you can look at at somebody like Corey Lewandowski, who physically assaulted a female reporter, and yet he remains one of the most powerful figures in the Republican Party uh, these days by virtue of his proximity to the president. So the idea that like men can do horrible things to women and get away with it and remain powerful it was in some ways like completely non surprising to me. Which may be why I was like my reaction was. Like, yeah, of course there is sexism in politics. Um, but I have heard stories from other women that would like peel the paint off the walls. And I have felt very fortunate that in my career, when I'm thinking of bad behavior, I'm thinking of guys who made, you know, inappropriate jokes around me that they probably shouldn't have. Or the times that I've walked into a room for a meeting and you know, the first few guys in the room assume that I'm the assistant that's there to get them coffee until they realize, no, no, I'm giving the presentation. I mean, these, but I have at the same time not felt like that is unique or specific to polling or to the Republican side, which is why I was kind of like, yeah, this happens, but I have not felt that like the specific piece of the industry I have chosen is, you know, in, in some ways I actually think is maybe better than other pieces of the industry on the Republican side. I would say that the area where it was most dominant in the conversations was television advertising, which is also where consultants make the most money. And so the women I spoke to felt like that was the hardest area to break into and it was the most male dominated and the most uh, exclusive. And so that was sort of I, I learned a lot about your worlds, and it was it was an interesting uh, little adventure. So tell me about the decision. Like you focused on anecdotes. Did you look at like data about tried. what kind of women you know women who were partners or women who were campaign managers? Or those I went in circles on that for a long time, and so the problem with that was um, there were several problems. One was FEC reports only show which firm they pay. Mm. So it could look like this candidate has a female advertiser or whatever, but she's not even involved in the process. Her male partner was the one. Or I would look and I was warned by several uh, women that these firms will often have a female partner and it will be the wife of one of the consultants. And it's sort of a facade that they put forward to the clients to make themselves look more diverse. And there were just a number of things that I felt uncomfortable doing the data. And I I certainly went back and forth with the editors about it. And so um, one of the other things was I chose to interview at least 50 women because I didn't want the article to feel like just three disgruntled people. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted everyone to read it to think, I bet I know someone who talked to her about this. Mm-hmm. And that just provided me, as I went further and further, I just started Which was getting, definitely our, I mean, that was definitely, well, when we did that on the show last week where Chris was like, I was talking to this reporter. I'm like, I know what story that is. Like hours before the story dropped. And, and that had happened to me, not on air, but in like conversations multiple, multiple times. And Usually people, I mean, sometimes they do. You can feel free to do. Usually people are like, I was talking to a reporter. Let me tell you this incredible thing I was telling them. But lots of people said that they had spoken, They, you know, because it's so interesting when you're talking to other women consultants to say, hey, I was talking to someone working on a story about women consultants. So it was clear to me that there were lots of women who, spoken to, who had spoken to you. Did you talk to more Democratic women than Republican women or was it mostly 50-50? Did you – lots of people want to know about the diversity of the folks that you spoke to or the challenges challenges women of color face? I mean, did you explore any of that? I, I did. Um, I, I don't know the partisan breakdown, um, but I did make a conscious effort to speak to women of color. Uh, Simone Sanders gave one of the best quotes in the entire story, and she went on the record and called out the campaign committees for this in, in a way that most of the women would not. Um, additionally, 
there was at least one woman of color I quoted on background in the story, but I didn't want to identify her mm-hmm. as such because I was afraid it would give her away in her sphere of influence. And so um, it was an interesting thing. And it's, I mean, and women of color have it 10 times harder from what I can tell from everything that it was told to me. But Basically, I just started with the normal women I call when I'm working a story, and there was a lot of Texas-heavy sources on it because that's my normal beat. But then I just started branching out, and I would watch TV, and that's how I thought of Simone. I never talked to her before, and I reached out when I saw her on CNN one night. And so um, – and people kept giving me new names to call, and eventually I just ran out of time. And But I could have kept going. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, were you – I mean, I did feel – I don't know, Kristen, what your perspective was. I mean, this is one of the – I think, you know, do you look at this as – things are things changing are things getting better you know and that was obviously my quote you know i see for sure and i think simone said this that the d trips was mm-hmm. really working hard to make this better which was certainly my experience you saw the story from a, like a week or so ago about their analytics team being all women like that was something that was you know very clear to me so are things changing are things changing more on one side versus the other you know kristen did you feel that there was a party difference that like rang true for you i mean to me i saw a party difference in women from both sides were telling you, I don't know if you guys had a different perspective. Well, I think that the Democratic side is more hopeful because of the presidential contest coming and how the sheer volume of consultants. And so there there may not be enough consultants to go around with all of these candidates. And so that's one of the the brighter things in the story I discovered. I'm curious what Kristen yeah, I mean, I was uh, So I even mentioned to you, I think one of the other comments that I, I made um, that, that didn't make it into the story, and I was really sad that this person didn't talk to you for the story, is there's a quote that Kellyanne Conway gave in a an interview pretty shortly after she joined the White House, um, where she talked about the sexism she had faced in the polling profession and that a lot of the things she wrote about had really rung true for me. Like, I actually, I had sent her, a, I mean, she and I have not been in close contact since since the Trump world stuff, but I sent her a note saying, like, I was very appreciative of her comments because she noted things like, um, you know, if there's a male pollster and a female pollster partnering on a project, the inclination is always like to just give the guy the quant and give the woman the, you know, the touchy feely focus group stuff. And like when I read Kellyanne's quote about that, I thought, oh, my God, like the, I experience that all the time. But I did also then take a step back and go, well, am I reading sexism into this when maybe it doesn't exist? I love focus groups. I'm probably better at the qual stuff than the quant stuff if I'm really being honest about my, you know, would I rather do a survey or would I rather do a really deep dive in focus groups? I actually think I'd prefer the qual. So maybe it's not sexism. Maybe I'm just gravitating toward what I I enjoy doing a little better. I I don't know. Um, But that was, I thought, a very insightful quote of hers that really rang true for me uh and so i I think i mentioned that to you too that that it was totally true it hit home for me and then i found myself questioning is this thing that i experienced and have experienced before is it gender bias or is it just you know i i like doing focus groups i i don't know you know i read your, I mean, I remember when Chris and I talked about that Kellyanne Conway quote, by the way, right? And I read your story, and you know, for sure, I've experienced sexism. I mean, at the pitching while pregnant anecdote, like that happened to there me. Were a number of anecdotes like that. I'm like, how many of those do you want? Because I, I have lots of them. Like that was for real. Like I remember, you know, somebody who said, "Well, are you going to come back to work afterwards?" I'm like, "Well, I'm sitting right in front of you. Why would I? Why would I be here talking to you about your campaign if I wasn't going to come back to work in a couple months?" So, and I had that times like, you know, just many, many. Um, so that is a 
a for real, for real deal. Um, that's absolutely a gender bias. I mean, here's the question, though, that that you know, I think is an important piece of this. It's not just about how do I feel in a pitch or how do, how do women who enter this industry feel about their career paths. Obviously, that's important, of course. But for me, I am curious. I don't know if anyone you spoke to talked about this. Like, what does this mean for the actual product? And the product is yes. trying to speak to women voters who often, especially in 2018, determine the outcome of elections. And is it better to have more women at the table if we're trying to talk to women voters? Is that better? Or does it reflect, similarly, does it reflect your openness to talking to women voters if you're able to have women at the table as your closest advisors? Absolutely. And one of the anecdotes that I couldn't work in was, and this is a perfect example, was um a Hispanic political operative. And there was a product of direct mail that was brought to her by a white male consultant, and it was tar- targeting Latinas. And she said it just was tone deaf. That was the word that came up over and over was tone deaf. Like it, whatever, it's the nuance. It's the the language or maybe shooting the TV commercial, the camera angle. Like they're, they're just – if you don't have a woman on the shoot of the commercial and it's maybe a female candidate, the woman – at least one woman consultant there might notice a hair out of place mm-hmm. or something like that. That was the way it was conveyed to me by several folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online, so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. You know, I'm interested to see what you think, Kristen, too, because obviously, you know, the challenge of reaching women voters is greater and is it magnified by having fewer women consultants at the table? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, which is the chicken and egg, right, of, of this? Well, there was there there was a firm that had popped up on the Republican side. Like there have been a couple of efforts. I mean, first you had Christine I mean, Matthews for, at Burning well, Glass. She's yeah, been on so the show for a while. You had you had kind of Kellyanne kind of had that market. She had Woman Trend as her you know company within a company that was like we're focusing on women. And then you had Burning Glass, um, which I I don't know that Burning Glass is still around or in has all the same partners. But it, you know, it's there have been I think efforts to try to do that. What worries me is. At the same time that it's true that there are efforts to reach, say, women voters that don't include any women and you're like, what is wrong with you? I also worry about the flip side of that, which is the pigeonholing. So does it suddenly become, well, let's let's hire Kristen because we're going to do a chick poll. Like, I, right. you know, I mean, and you don't you don't want that to be the case either. Like, yes, I can help you understand young voters. And yes, I can help you understand female voters. But I can also help you understand old men, too. <laughs> like, right. I, I, I can read crosstabs. And so I, I worry sometimes about, on the one hand, yes, there should be women at the table when it comes to winning female voters. But there should be women at the table when it comes to winning all kinds of voters. And is there, did you ever hear any women in your interview sort of express a, a almost a worry that goes the opposite direction of being kind of pigeonholed into the women's stuff. Absolutely. A number of women push back against the notion that, you know, a man should not be the consultant for a woman. They they don't like that. And one of the reasons was because you could flip it over and they couldn't be the consultant for a male candidate. And so, you know, and I have a writer friend in Hollywood and I sort of kept him in mind as I was thinking about this because he 
he writes women's voices really well and so for characters. And so I kind of kept – like that's one of those reasons I didn't go down that lane in that argument just because it just felt a little unfair in both directions. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I guess you didn't talk to any men. I'm curious about this thing of like – people being conference called jerks, right? Like, you know, that came up a lot. I mean, don't do men not like conference called jerks? Like, you know, I'm just curious, like, and maybe nobody likes conference called. I'm not I'm not excusing conference called jerks because I get that whole I get, you know, part of the informality of consulting means that making your case in this kind of small decision group setting can be very influential in like in sort of how decisions get made. And so I, I, I can see how folks who are the most persuasive in these kinds of situations can end up, you know, being influential. Uh, and if you feel like that that setting is not open to your ideas, then that may change the dynamic of what kind of advice rises to the table. But, you know, it's not just women who dislike that sort of conference call attitude. But how prevalent was that as like a big topic that women were concerned about? It came up quite a bit. And I didn't really bring in conference calls just because there were so many other things to touch on. There's a lot I didn't get into the story, and I acknowledge that. Um, But But that was that was that did come up, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That there that the conference calls are just miserable for a lot of women and that there are men who dominate it. And um, even some of the women who pushed back against the story said, but I've been on miserable conference calls. So it was it was that has come up. Is that a thing on the right? I'm assuming there are lots of miserable conference calls, whatever um, industry you're in, right? Yeah. I, well, <laughs> and, and also I will say, I mean, there one thing for any guys listening who are wondering, like, how can you be a good ally? Yes, um, that's on my is, list of questions. Yeah. Well, like w- one thing that I would say is, you know, <laughs> you don't have to suddenly become like Captain Chivalry, as lovely as that would be. But uh, like, for example, I have been in pitches where it has been me paired with a an older male pollster who is wonderful. And one of the things that he has done to be helpful is we'll be in the pitch and the potential client will really be much more focused on like drilling down in my qualifications and like, are you sure you've done? Well, tell me a little more of your experience in this and like, like much more skeptical of me than the old guy with glasses. And he will kind of step in and be like, and, and just sort of like redirect the conversation back to like, let's talk about what our firms are doing together. And, you know, sure, on the one hand, maybe I should be riding into every meeting like Daenerys Targaryen with her dragons and like push back and be like, no, Mr. Potential Client, why don't we, you know, why don't you stop like trying to dig into my college transcript to prove that the 30 something year old woman in front of you is not qualified. And let's just talk about the work at hand um, and the experience we've had working together. And like, but he will kind of step in sort of knowing that he has privilege in that setting to steer the conversation back to something more productive than like me just getting belittled by this potential client. And and that is, I always deeply appreciate that. I'm not looking for like a white knight to save me all the time, but it is just nice to have people around who can see what is going on and like get things back on track. I think what struck me, and I did talk to a handful of men about the story, and they were all startled and really disturbed. They just hadn't seen it. And then once it was pointed out to them, they were like, oh, my gosh, how do how can I help fix this? And so um, I've gotten very little defensive reaction from men on this story. Because newsrooms, I've been very lucky. I've had great newsroom experiences, and I haven't really had too many issues with gender. Um, but what struck me was I feel like being a political consultant is practicing empathy. You're trying to get in the shoes of the voter to persuade them. And when you're not doing that in the room, what does that say about your skills as a political consultant? And that was just sort of what I had a hard time wrapping my head around. 
Right. You don't need to have the same background as the candidate or the rest of the consulting team or the voters in the district. It's really about hearing where they come from and what their perspective is. And if you are open-minded to all the different ways that people, especially as a pollster, but that's also true for media where you need to show them communication that rings true and is authentic for them. And, and that means being able to put yourself in the shoes of someone else, even if you are from someplace else and, and come from a different perspective or have a different way of speaking or some other kind of stylistic difference. Well, and the other thing that struck me was, I mean, I was raised that when you work for someone, they're your boss. And just hearing the stories of the candidates being disrespected by consultants. And there's one member of Congress, I quote, who keeps a man in the room. Yeah, that story was crazy. Yeah. For the sole purpose of repeating everything she says so that her staffers will take those orders. Otherwise, they will not listen to this person. And this is a person I listen to. I want to know what she has to say about the world. And it stuns me that her staff didn't. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask about. I mean, there is, I, I believe there's a story on the record where Elise Stefanik kind of talks about her first experience going to uh, say, hey, I'm going to run for office as a 20-something woman. If I'm elected, I'd be the youngest woman elected and kind of getting like the pat on the head from whether it was the committees or whomever, you know, consultants like, oh, that's so nice. But really, we're looking for like a self-funding white man who's in his 50s or 60s and her being like, well, screw it. I'm going to run anyways. And now, like on the Republican side, she's kind of on the warpath about this issue. And I, you know, I'm just wondering, is there any sense that there's a fix for this that can be candidate driven? I don't know. I I mean, I I think the main thing was that this was the first time a lot of people thought in this way. And there were a number of high-profile female politicians who were pointed out to me who surround themselves with male consultants. And I'm going to guess they saw this story and maybe you're going to look around at their advising team and maybe rethink things a little bit. That's the one thing I see. So what do you think the impact has been? So you said on Twitter that people have been reaching out to you. Like what, you know, certainly in my, as I mentioned, in my world, lots of people are talking about it. So like just lots and lots and lots of people are talking about the story. What has what impact have you seen? Have you people been reaching out to you? What what's your what's your sense? I mean, I had no idea anyone would care about this story. Um, I've been getting lots of emails from Republican women, Democratic women, page long, very cathartic emails. And the the undercurrent in all of them was I thought I was crazy and now I'm realizing I'm not the only one. And so, um, you know, and I mean, the saddest emails I get are the women who've left politics altogether because of this. And it's, uh, you know, I, I mean, our system just needs as many different people as possible to govern, to work, to win campaigns. And so, um, you know, I, I hope that they reconsider. Did you have a sense that there were some remedies? Like what were the remedies that you think people should come away with? I think the area of opportunity that was expressed to me over and over were House Democratic races. Um, for two reasons. One, Emily's List, the juggernaut organization that backs Democratic candidates who support abortion rights, uh, they they are very good about recommending firms that have a female owner or partner. And I think that there's been some um, pushing of this from the DCCC. So I, I think that there's an awareness of it, um, whether or not anything comes of this. I mean, we know what world we live in and everything gets forgotten in a week and the world will move on. But I did purposefully drop this story during pitch season. Like that was kind of a conscious thought. So I, I maybe people will think a little bit differently this time. I mean, did you feel like that the sexism and gender bias that people talked about was people felt it was different in, in this industry than elsewhere? Was it did it stem from the biases people have in other industries? Was there something structural about how consulting works or how campaign works, how personal it may be, how 
the, the smallness of the pool of people or all those kinds of factors, did that change how people made these decisions? Did it make it easier or harder for sexism to kind of take seed? What do you think? I think that uh, I received a number of emails from women not in politics saying this happens in corporate America mm-hmm. and those things. I think what's unique about politics is on the Democratic side, you have men going around saying they're pro-woman, feminist, and then when they're in a room, they're not very respectful of women who are professional equals. Um, And then on the Republican side, clearly there is something going on in the suburban women voter, and they need everything they can get to win that voter back. And it sounds like they're not being very respectful of women on that side. And so I think the stakes are different in politics. That's what I would say. Well, Abby, I'm just really grateful that you decided to take this topic on. I'm grateful that you reached out to Margie and I <laughs> to comment on this story. Um, I mean, this is this is a topic that I feel very fortunate that I can talk about freely on the record, you know, under my own name. But I'm really glad that you were able to tell the stories of the women who do not have that luxury or do not feel comfortable talking about their stories under their own name because they, I mean, they, it's the things you hear over glasses of wine or over drinks. It's, these are stories that, that if you are a woman working in politics, you have known that these things happen. It was just jarring to see how widespread it is. And I'm, I'm glad that you, you took the time to put this together. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot. I mean, those stories, those are very, I mean, they were very familiar stories. So it's really quite something that so many women spoke to you. The story could have been two or three times as long if I'd included everything. And that's just, I felt negligent as a reporter that I was not aware of this until last summer. And so I'm really glad that you guys took my call and were willing to speak on the record and uh, help make it a better story. So thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks so much, Abby. And so wait, so if people want to find you, where do they find you on Twitter? Where do they find your story? If we have listeners out there who don't read Politico, there aren't there many, but there are probably a few. I'm at Texas Trib Abby, and uh, I did it freelance for Politico. So if you Google Politico magazine, hardest glass ceiling, you will find it. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Kay Soltis Anderson or www.thepolsters.com. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.